Aloha, welcome to the Layman's Lounge podcast, a ministry of the laymanslounge.com, where we exist to bring everyday theology for everyday life. And today we have back in the hammock, a friend of the show, Pierce Taylor Hibbs. Aloha, brother. Have you begun sipping eggnog yet? Hey, uh, no, I have not yet. Uh, It's probably a sad thing for most people to hear, but... we don't have a lot of dairy that probably is a real buzzkill for people but uh yeah we, we so we can't have a lot of dairy but i do i do really miss eggnog uh, that was a that was a special thing i that's one a few things that i really miss from not having dairy that's probably one of them but uh i am openly admitting to have started to listening to to christmas music two weeks ago you know so i yeah i start early we our whole family starts early for for christmas stuff we kind of like look past halloween like that's gonna be fun but christmas is coming so i've got two things to say about this one i've already consumed two cartons of eggnog and i just found it two days ago and another (laughs) sub point about eggnog is this might ruin it for people, but I realize why I like it. It just tastes like a melt, melted vanilla shake. Yeah. <laughs> <So> maybe, <it> <laughs> that's, <laughs> maybe that's not so good to drink it. And then the other thing is I saw that, I think just I saw today out in the Twitter world that like a bar in Texas has banned Mariah Carey. You know what I'm saying right now? It has banned Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas until December 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. We, we, we are, I don't know. I'm still like a little kid. I still get, um, I still get antsy and jittery about Christmas like three months before it's here. <laughs> so I, and I hope that doesn't change. I think we just, I just get excited. So, and I get to relive all the excitement of my kids. Do you love Amy Grant tender Tennessee Christmas? Yes. I mean, I grew up, you know, uh, right through the, uh, the nineties with, with all of the, the classic Christmas, you know, Christmas Christian songs with Amy Grant and uh, um, was the other one that we used to listen to all the time. Stephen Curtis Chapman was was in there too. So yeah, all the all the uh, famous Christmas albums that came out for Christians, we we had all of them, and they were always. Bro, playing. I love Amy Grant Christmas, and you know, I bought it on vinyl. I love it oh, so yeah. much, <laughs> so good. We also love the Sarah McLaughlin Christmas, and then. Uh, well, I think she has two now and jewel Christmas, bro. So mm. good. So let the listener know that's some good yeah. Christmas jams. Um, yeah. Pierce Taylor Hibbs, uh, the author of a, of a bunch of books and uh, articles and whatnot. And so to name a few, um, the speaking Trinity and his worded world, why language is at the center of everything. Next one is finding God in the ordinary Next one is struck down, but not destroyed, living faithfully with anxiety. And then I saw on his Instagram, a little teaser of the next book looks like the working title, or I don't know, but it's going to be the great lie, what all of hell wants you to keep believing. And then the book we're going to be discussing today is called the book of giving how the God who gives can make us givers. And I think I wrote you this. But I, I was like hesitant to read the book. So I get like so many, I get a lot of books a week, maybe like five and I'm backlogged on my interviews. 
but because I love you, um, if I had saw that book, even if it was my favorite favorite publisher, I wouldn't I wouldn't even pick I wouldn't even look at the back. I would just put it down. But um, I was like, oh, giving like financial stewardship. I'm not interested. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm good there or whatever. But, you know, like I've, I've sort of developed a friendship with Pierce since I'm like, I'll read it. And bro, it's not it's not what I thought the book was going to be about. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not about financial stewardship, um, which is, um, you know, certainly a downside from uh, the. I think the title has meant, meant people see the book of giving and they think, oh, this is a book about, you know, how to organize my finances so I can give more to the church, you know, or right. something like that. And um, finances is such a tiny piece of how we give to others. Um, but we see a book with that in it and we kind of think, oh, this is about finances. Um, yeah, almost nothing in it you know, deals with finances. Uh, I guess if I had to summarize it differently, I would say it's really focused on the generosity of God. Um, and, and that generosity of God certainly changes us so that we want to be generous. We want mm -hmm. to give to others, but being generous and giving ourselves to others is, you know, happens through finances, but that's such a tiny piece of it. Um, I'm, I'm looking at giving in a much broader perspective, you know, God giving you life and salvation and, um, your passions and your family and, yeah. um, your, hobbies all of the all of these things that god is giving so uh yeah in that sense it's really about god's kind of i've, I've said before it's about god's wild generosity mm -hmm. you just think how could god possibly be this this prodigal you know that he's just giving so much so lavishly mm -hmm. um all the time and how does that change us you know if, if that's what he's doing yeah we're and we're gonna we're gonna nuance it more but and even that, the listener, you know, a lot of our interviews are like, like raw doctrine. And that just seems like, oh, that seems nice. That seems like piety. And but but it, there's there is something we'll get in. And I, I'm pretty quote heavy on this interview because your pin floats and you know it, you know, you've got a floating <laughs> pin. So but before we jump into specific stuff on this book. Like, like I mentioned, you, you're, you have a busy pin, you're writing a lot, sort of a lot of books, but what I find interesting is you're, you're like not a one trick pony as far as subject matter. There's like, I mean, we see repeated themes in your work for sure. So having said that though, what are like some truths or realities or, or doctrines or, or whatever that you find yourself re returning to that everything else might be built upon. I feel like I could guess them, but I want to hear you, you do them. You probably could. Yeah. So obviously for me, I'm a, a huge um, uh, advocate for, and, and just thinker of uh, doctrine of the Trinity. So that will come up in everything that I write um, somehow. And because I believe that's fundamental to who God is. So whenever I'm talking about God and who we are, I'm going to be talking about the Trinity um, another thread that I tend to develop is um, the, the power and the importance of language um, and speech and how that's, um, that's really kind of the window I use to see uh, who God is, how, how we know about him, um, how we can image him. And uh, there are many windows, you know, you can use to look at, look at God's character, but that's the speech and language is, is one that I find mm -hmm. myself returning to. 
Um, and just, I'm, I'm always blown away by the idea that the son is the word of the father. I think I could think about that for mm. years uh, and not get tired of it. Uh, and then the other thing is, is probably, I, I've, de- I've dealt a lot more with um, suffering from a Christian perspective uh, in different ways, and, and especially looking at suffering as a means of Christ's conformity. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go through hard things in life, just like everyone else is. Um, but what am I going to do with those hard things and why are they happening to me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are kind of fundamental, deep um, life questions that we all have. So I'm, I'm writing a lot about what it means to, to be conformed to the image of Christ when you go through really hard things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, very close to my heart for, you know, personal reasons, just because of some of the difficult things I've dealt with in my own life. But the more I talk with other people, it becomes this like, fundamental, you know, bedrock truth of scripture. Like we really have to understand this Mm -hmm. if we want to grow. Uh, And a a future book project, I think maybe I'll get to in two or three is, is really just going through the gospel of John and outlining all the different ways that we are conformed to Christ in his character, like conformed to Christ's patience, conformed to Christ in his you know, his uh, workmanship conformed to Christ in his speech, like yeah. all these practical things that like when people say, oh, are you being conformed to Christ right now? That sounds like such a broad idea, yeah. like yeah. generally becoming more holy. And we don't do very well with generalities. We want specific. Yeah. So I think I've wanted for a while for my own sake to just say, okay, let me get, you know, a list of like, like concrete things that I can say, okay, as a dad, as a husband, uh, as a worker, there, there are all these specific ways that God could be con- calling me each day to conform yeah. to Christ. And if I'm aware of them, then maybe I, I can be more prayerful in the spirit that, that certain changes would take place and I'd be more mindful of how, how I could be a part of it. Dude, Hibbs, I'm not just licking your boots, but yes to that. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, like what, what's that saying? You, the, the way to eat a cow is like one bite at a time or whatever. I, and I get that sometimes things are so vague for me. I'm like, love everyone. I'm like, what? But like, there, there's something about like sort of nuancing each thing or whatever. Okay, man. It's, oh gosh, we could go so many directions. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it chill. I'm sorry. But, but one or two more before we dive in deeper. And I, I love this thing on speech. It's like speech. People even right now might be like, huh, God's speech. What, what is this? But um, can you talk a little bit of, of God speech, the Trinity and like attribute of God, just in that one, you could just give a little teaser and then maybe we could direct us to some work or something. Sure. Yeah. I think um, I, for me, the first theologian that I read that brought speech out as an attribute of God and said, this isn't, this isn't just something God does. Mm-hmm. It's actually part of who he is. Um, the first person who did that for me was was John Frame in his uh, systematic theology. And um, when I read it, I thought, oh, I've been studying the importance of language for years, but I had never really thought about speech being central to God's identity. And then uh, the more I thought and read about the, the son as the word uh, of the father and the spirit oftentimes in scripture is portrayed as the breath of God. So you get these images of the Trinity where the, you have the father as the speaker, the son is the word and uh, the spirit is the breath uh, that's producing it. 
Um, and it's as soon as I started to see that, I, I saw all these interrelations with everything else. Like, oh, wow, yeah, this is related to creation. This is related to God's providence. You know, in Hebrews 1, 3, it's that God maintains all things by the word of his power. So it's like creation, providence, redemption. You know, I'm saved by uh, the good word, you know, I, I you know, and, and in as much as sin was a fall that we had in language because we distrusted God's speech yeah. and, and basically said God wasn't, you know, fully trustworthy. Our redemption is in a mirroring sense, a trusting in the eternal speech of God sent for us in the flesh. And so I was just like, wow, language has, and then it, and then it even attaches to heaven. Like what's heaven going to be like, you know, most people have a, a dreamy sense of yeah. uh, unchecked materialism and, you know, uh, different places you'd like to vacation. And those are, th- those are fun things to think about. So, uh, but what I started to realize with, with this speech theme is, well, wait a second. If I was made to be a creature who communed with God, who spoke with him, and then that was destroyed in, in the fall or, or corrupted and then restored by Christ. And now I live in him. I live in the word. Then my eternity is going to be an eternity where I'm speaking with mm-hmm. God face to face. And mm-hmm. in, in addition to speaking with God's people. Uh, and for me, that brought into this, this portrait of heaven, a very personal character. Um, I think, I think it was Johnny Gibson who said um, at one point, heaven is a beautiful place because it is, it's inhabited by a beautiful person. And we typically don't think of the person. Um, when we think of heaven, we think about place. Yeah. Um, but when we're following this line of speech, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's what I'm going to do for eternity. I'm going to speak with, with my father. I'm going to speak with the son. Mm. I'm going to speak with the spirit and I'm going to have an unending relationship of deep communion with them that just goes on forever. Mm. Um, you know, so that to me was speech was just one of those themes in scripture that seemed to hook into God's character, God's action, our response to God's action, um, it just was everywhere. So I, I really wrote um, the speaking Trinity was kind of dedicated to that idea. Um, and it's basically saying, uh, as the subtitle suggests, language is at the center of everything. We just don't typically see it that way. Um, and so, yeah, if readers are interested in that, um, yeah, I, I could uh, I could talk about that for a long time. But that's what I'll say for for now. It's a fine it's a fine primer or primer, whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, the recent book is called The Book of Giving, How the God Who Gives Can Make Us Givers. You're, you're, you're really good at opening our eyes to realities that we take for granted. That's a big thing that I saw in the book. Because I don't want to be all callous and numb and just a chump. I, I want to be, be a good guy. I want to have gratitude, right? Um, and you diagnose our plot really well when you say this. Quote, we swim in gifts in things given freely by God. And then you continue on. But you don't feel this very often, though, do you? Neither do I. The greatest irony of being alive is that we treat gifts as possessions, generosity as commonplace, grace as summer grass, something to be stepped on and forgotten with every lifting muscle. And then you continue on. We unwrap so many gifts every moment that we forget it's Christmas morning that God is watching every spark of joy and every shrug of the shoulders, end quote. There's like 
so many things in that. <laughs> There's so many things in there. So I guess I'll just say, what do we, uh, we, everyone I think could acknowledge that diagnosis, right? What, what do we do with that diagnosis? Yeah, I think, um, of course, it, it would be nice if we just woke up and we were full of gratitude 24 seven. Um, I don't know anyone who's like that. And I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone like that exists mm. <laughs> on, on the planet. You know, we want, we know we, we should be gracious or we should have gratitude and we should be thankful for things. And we can't always express that. I think my concern um, for my own spiritual life, which I think other people can identify with is we can kind of get into a habit of not even seeing the gifts anymore. So it's one thing to say, like, you know, you have something amazing happen and you just, you know, fall down in prayer or in worship and you thank, you thank God for giving you something. But um, we do this thing where we start to kind of internally create an expectation for what constitutes as a, a good day, you know, quote unquote. How do I know that today wasn't lousy? Um, you know, well, I probably experienced a number of good things and they had to be really good things to get my attention, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be like a, you know, 35% salary increase or, you know, a, you know some major like um, event that, that causes us to show gratitude. And what scares me about that is that it starts to set us on a path to chase after different things for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So I want, you know, I want good things. I want fun things to happen to me, but at no point in that thought process, do I factor God into the equation and say like, Oh, wait a second. Like my relationship with Christ is supposed to be central to everything that I do. And I find my identity in God and he has my purpose and he's my destiny, but I'm really just, you know, stoked about this vacation I'm going to take in a few weeks Right. And it has no attachment to, you know, to my faith, you know, it's just, a, it's just an event. So we, we kind of start separating gracious gifts that God has given us from the person of God. Mm. And, and then living becomes kind of transactional. Like, what can I get? What do I have to put in so yeah. that I can get the next thing? Mm -hmm. And um, we all do this. I, I still struggle with it all the time, but we kind of set in our minds, we keep setting the next thing that we're going to look forward to. Yeah. Like the next you know, thing is maybe it's, it's Thanksgiving break, or maybe it's yeah. a vacation, or maybe it's Christmas, but we just keep doing it. And what bothered me is that when I do the, those things, I don't seem to be thinking about God at all. I think about Whoa. me experiencing this thing. And mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about the one who not only is keeping me alive and breathing until I get there, uh, and feeding me with his word each day, but I'm also missing this huge reservoir of smaller gifts that are literally all around me. Mm. Like, and, and I just don't see them and, and I'm a limited creature, so I can't see all of them, but yeah. I just start missing things. Mm. Um, you know, it's kind of like for the Christmas analogy, it's kind of like the, the kid who runs into the room and then goes for the giant gift in the corner. It's, that's, you know, great. It's an exciting yeah. gift. I'm sure it's going to be fun, but yeah. you know, there's probably 30 other presents that he had to step over or step on mm -hmm. to get to it. And, and I didn't like that. I think it, I think it was in a, in some way kind of felt like in my spiritual life, there was a kind of materialism mm. taking, um, 
and it, it leads to a sense of unrest, sense of lacking peace yeah. uh, and contentment. So I didn't like that at all. Um, I, and I was praying a lot about it. Uh, I didn't even know I was going to write this book. Uh, and the book kind of came out of nowhere like a gift, which is you know kind of ironic given the, the topic of the book. Um, but I was you know going on a jog around a um, small uh, lake community. And I was just hearing my feet crunch on the gravel and looking at all the trees around me and just paused like just for maybe a second and said, like, wow, why did, why did I get all this? Mm. Like, this is pretty nice. Like what, I didn't do anything to get this. This just got handed to me, you know, that I'm following all these uh, laws of nature and gravity and just tromping around this, um, this circle of earth. Mm. Like I didn't do anything to get this. This is all a gift. Um, and I just started to kind of fall headlong into um, the deep truth that God is a prodigal giver. He's just, he's not only giving you more gifts than you can count. He's giving you gifts that he knows you're not even going to be aware of mm. like things that you're just going to run past. Yeah. And yet that doesn't keep him from giving. Mm. You no. Know? And which is, which is crazy for me to think about it, you know, even as a parent, because you give your kids a gift and what, what do you want? You want some acknowledgement, you yeah. know, say thank you that I gave this to you, please. Yeah. Um, and yet you have God, uh, you know, pouring out all of these tiny gifts every day, you know, the gift of you, you know, having, um, you know, was, uh, the other day I was thinking about people in wheelchairs and I pulled my legs around the side of my bed and I thought, you know, the gift that my legs are still functioning right now is something I wouldn't typically think of, but I'm going to think about that while I walk to the kitchen, wow. yeah. you know, and, and you have all these like smaller gifts like that. And what, what I think people can stop at that point and just say, yeah, I should be more thankful. Mm -hmm. and, and that's probably true for us. You know, that's fine. But what I'm trying to do in the book is say, yes, we want gratitude. You know, certainly we have a lot of things to be grateful for, but how do you respond to the gifts that you get? That's the real issue. Because if your response to the gifts that you get is to look for the next gift, then I think you're missing the point. Mm. Um, and so, and that's typically, again, that follows that kind of transactional materialistic um, vibe that we get. If we, we experience something and we say, yeah, thank God. And then almost without a thought, we're saying, yeah, what's coming next? You know, again, perfect illustration of the kid who's excited on Christmas morning, just opening something, getting really enthusiastic but then picking his head up and looking for the next box. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a transactional approach to giving, you know, I, someone gives something to me, I open it, I possess it. I say, thank you. And it's done. Mm. But what you see with God is what I call in the book, a giving circle. Mm -hmm. It's not transactional. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, if we want to look at the, the doctrine of the Trinity, um, you know, God so loved the world that he gave, right? And this is the crazy part. He didn't give a thing. He didn't give an experience. He gave himself. Like he gave the second person of the Godhead. God so loved the world that he gave himself. That whosoever would believe in him would have eternal life. You know, so we receive Christ as a gift. 
right, as a gift that, that God's spirit gives to us. But we don't just say thank you and keep going. You know, what, what do we do? And you can see this, especially in John's gospel. You know, your reception of Christ is meant to lead you to be a testimony to that gift, right? To go spread the, the joy and the grace of the gospel that you've received with other people. So it's inherently bound up with, with testimony. Mm. Um, so the giving is not meant to stop with you. It's, you're just part of the giving circle. Mm. You know, God gives his son, people accept his son, people then give the message of his son to others. They spread it to others. There's constant giving. And of course, the son was received, you know, is, is obviously ascended and resurrected and at the right hand of the father. So, you know, there's a sense in, in which, again, this is really mysterious, but there's a sense in which God gave himself, but then received himself back. Mm. Um, so there's also a sense of giving there. But the amazing thing, I think, is if you look at giving as a circle instead of a line, you know, mm. a line means it ends with me. I, I got something. I possess it. I say, thank you. We're done. A circle means that I can't just accept something and stop. I have to accept something, show gratitude, but then I have to see how I can be giving to others because it's a giving circle. So in other words, God gives to us that we give to other people. It's, it's meant to continue. And we don't typically think about gifts that way. We think about gifts as possessions. Yeah. We don't think of gifts as maybe instruments um, or tools. Uh, and, you know, to take a really simple example, you know, imagine somebody you know, for the holidays gets you a coffee maker. You know, you could make your own coffee and, and hoard it, or you could turn right around after you open that box and say, oh my gosh, I'm going to invite the whole church youth group over and we're going to make this special coffee drink for them. Like someone who does that, I would say that that's beautiful. That is a mm. perfect image of the gospel mm. that you you were given something as a gift, you took it, and then you found a way to give it to someone else. I like that. Um, and, and that's, that's not our instinct. You know, that's something that yeah. I think spirit has to work on us to do. Um, I think in my own life, the more, and the more that I've thought about it and talked with other people who have had extreme um, spiritual trauma or, or, you know, really hard things that have happened, that's also in a sense, a, a gift. Um, you know, I, I, the book that I wrote about my anxiety disorder, um, that anxiety that I have dealt with and continue to deal with is something that I have to take, you know, thank God for in some way, because he's actually teaching me about himself through mm. it. But then I go to try to encourage other people who are dealing with it. So I have to give the gift to someone else. Mm. Mm. So it's not, it's not even that gifts only apply to good things. Yeah, you could be going through something really, really hard. You could, oh. you could have cancer diagnosis right now. You know, you could have, um, you could just be getting out of a divorce. There's all kinds of horrible mm. things that people mm. are going. Through. And we, we really focus on the pain and, um, you know, the destruction, which is all real. You know, it's, mm -hmm. we have to confirm that those things are real. But it's, it's been amazingly encouraging to me to see even the things that I would say, whoa, that wasn't a gift. You know, my, my father died when I was 18 from cancer. 
you know, there's no way that when I was 18 that I would have looked at that experience and said, oh, that's a gift of God. You know, mm-hmm. I would say that's a curse. You know, I, I'm a worse person because of this. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, 17, 18 years later, mm-hmm. I'm looking at how God took that experience, shaped me more to the person of his son by helping me be more compassionate um, towards people who have had a, a, a loss, you know, in the family, mm-hmm. and then used me in some way to, to have some measure of biblical comfort for them. Mm. So even in a darker sense, you get these gifts uh, of, of God's own providence where you have an experience, something changes you, mm. it shapes you sometimes over a decade. Mm. And then what do you do? Well, you turn and you give it back. You know, you give back the experience that God gave to you. You give the, the wisdom that God gave to you. Mm. Um, I mean, that's, that's probably why I get so excited about writing projects. Writing projects are a chance for me to try to give something that God has been teaching me. Mm. Um, and, and there's also a sense in which the writing itself is a gift because I tell people, I don't, I don't learn if I don't write, you know, mm. like if I, that's, that's how I learn things. So if I don't write them down, um, I won't grow as a Christian. And so the act of writing is itself a, a gift that I feel like God has given so that I can grow and develop, but I need to be able to turn around and hand that to someone yeah. else and say, God gave the gift to me. Now I, I'm trying to process it so I can give it to you, but it's a giving circle. You know, it just keeps going. Yeah. And, um, we, we just don't tend to think about giving that way. We think about receiving things and that being the end. You know who kind of gets it, but only halfway is the is the hippies, man. So, you know, as you know, I live in Hawaii and one out of every hundred tourists is a, is a girl with hairy armpits who loves the ocean so much. Yeah. She's just, just like so happy. And they're not even faking it. I I think some people do fake it, but there's (laughs) some hippies who are like, I'm like jealous of them. I'm like, how does this hippie so grateful for, for this, for this, you know, sea turtle, this Honu, they, they are pretty cool to see, but they'll like lose their mind. Or that guy who like saw the double, the triple or double rainbow on YouTube, yes. yep. like lost yep. his mind. I was like, man, I think he cried. Yeah. And it's like, dang. So I have two questions associated with that. Of course we see, you know, there's some common, there is common grace. Absolutely. And, but my question is, what is to be said about, about the hippie who has full on gratitude? I don't know what they just, they think it's the end, right? Like the earth has gifted them, I suppose, and everyone, Mm. but like, um, what is to be said for someone like me who kind of wish he was a little more grateful, but I'm not that grateful. So do I sort of got to remind myself and, and, and force it? And just kind of like, okay, remember, like, like you said, like you just thought one day about your legs, like what, what do we do? Do we, do we conjure it up and, and make that a a part of our new rhythm or whatever? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, I'm always thinking about the practical side of these things. And on one sense, you know, one avenue that people try to take is just, you know, what you're describing where you just say, okay, I'm going to be more grateful. You know, it it sounds like a, a new year's resolution. You know, mm-hmm. this year, more grateful. I'm going to, I'm going to thank people, you know, more. And, uh, and of course, most New Year's resolutions fail after a week or so. So, you know, people get, they, they take that approach and it usually leads them right into frustration. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm, I'm going to do this. And then it doesn't happen. And they think like, man, I am, the spirit must not be working on me right now. Cause I yeah. just can't, That's the I can't worst. you know, so it, it leads to, to something that was meant to be very encouraging and uplifting ends up being something that mm. discourages people. And I would hate that, you know? So I think, you know, sure, you you probably, you know, if you read this book, you probably will find yourself being grateful for things you maybe hadn't thought about before. Yeah. But that's not, um, that's not really a, a, it's not just an ambitious goal to try to think of, of new things to be grateful for all the time. It's, it's impossible for some people to just be constantly walking around, mm-hmm. finding new things to be grateful for. It becomes more like a chore. Um, and yeah. nothing nothing is going to be more um, sapping of your spiritual you know, life than thinking of something like that as a chore. Mm. So here's how I look at it. The, the idea of giving is something that only happens in relationship. Mm. So gifts only happen within relationships. Mm. Gifts are meant to do something or express something in the relationship. And so when you have a gift that you, that you notice, you know, whether that's like, um, you know, grabbing some coffee that you just really happen to like that day and you think, wow, I should be grateful for this. We, we, I think can develop a habit of understanding that gift as a message in some sense, you know, it's, it's telling us something within our, our relationship with God. Um, and we typically tend to separate that out. Like God is this kind of mystical transcendent thing that I, I try to engage with sometimes on Sunday mornings, but it's, you know, to get a really, you know, uh, hippie-ish transformational experience only happens, you know, once every once in a while. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of hope for those. And we don't see God in the ordinary, you know, right around us and we don't talk to him. Mm. And for, again, that's where the speech uh, theme comes in. So um, I think that I've developed a habit of speaking out loud mm. when I have, you know, something that I, I feel like I'm grateful for. Um, but I, I'm trying to understand the gift in relationship. Um, you know, why, why is this gift meaningful to me uh, in my relationship with the Lord? Mm. And we typically don't have answers to that right away, mm-hmm. but that can be something that prods you to pray. Um, and anything that you can do in your spiritual life that, that encourages you to speak more with God is a good thing. Mm. You know, so I think that that's part of it is, you know, just every time you enjoy something or you, you're given the grace to open your eyes and see, oh, wow, this was a gift. Mm. Having the, the immediate impulse be like, yeah, let me talk to God about this. Let me just, you know, pause and thank him and, and um, think about how he might want me to give this to someone else. Okay. Uh, I want to like, not, I want to do a in like a pushback in theory. Right. Cause I'm like, I, I feel burdens often of like the law. Right. And I, I know the gospel, but I want to, I want to be a good guy. So do you. And so must every good thing be consummated with gratitude unto a conversation. Right. So like if I get my daughter an easel for, mm-hmm christmas and she says thanks dad i'm like like you know it'd be rude and weird if she didn't and i said oh you're welcome and then she and she hugs me and i'm like all right cool you're welcome but then she's all dad i'm just so grateful about oh you are so welcome bless you (laughs) 
And then, but then she's like, you know what, dad, hold on. And she goes and she makes a t-shirt that says, my dad is a good giver. And I go, okay, you're welcome. And then she writes a song about it. She wants to meet once a week about, but she, and I know you know this scene, but she never takes up the paintbrush and paints something of the easel. And then maybe she only will, and it'll be a picture of me, you know, but I'd be fine if she painted a submarine. Um, so there's in one sense of at a minimum, there's this notion of like gratitude just seems part of human nature. I think we're just built that way. So, but at the same time, must it always be consummated? That's the language I'm using. Like, so every day, I, every, like you said, like every blade of grass is essentially a gift, right? So in theory, I could just be right now grateful for you as a friend and the book and this pin that I have, because I love zebra pins. They're the best pins in the world. At what point can I just like be a guy who is under the rule and reign of, of Christ? And I'm not always saying thankful or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great, uh, a great point. And I, and I know you could hit this because in the book you quote Kuiper and you actually read the work of the Holy Spirit, which I feel like not many people muscle through that one. Well done. <laughs> yeah, it is a good, a really good one. Yeah, I, uh, it's a great question. I think that, um, you know, we are, you don't want to get, you, it's very easy to get legalistic about something like this. Like, you know, I have to thank God for this step that I took and then the next one and then the next one. Or if I give a gift, I should be looking for gratitude from someone else, mm. which can kind of um, contaminate your whole motive for giving in the first place. Uh, maybe, I don't know if this is as much of an answer to the question. I think it is in some sense, but what blows my mind about the, the nature and character of God, and this is displayed in Jesus Christ, right? And by the spirit's work is that the, the joy and fulfillment and happiness doesn't come from being the grateful receiver. It comes from being the prodigal giver. It comes, and you know, when you have passages later in, um, you know, in, in the book of Acts where it, says, it quotes Jesus and says, as he said, it is better to give than to receive. Why? Why is it better to give than to receive? And I think it, again, goes back to the nature of, of God as a giver. Um, and I would say God, obviously, you know, doesn't say this directly in scripture, but it's a, a very easy thing to infer because we, we don't often say thank you. We don't often show gratitude for all these gifts that God gives us. But that doesn't um, tick him off. If I can put it that way, I don't want to, I don't want to do too much to humanize God's character, but what I'm trying to say is that in, in a sense, we would think like, oh, well, there has to be a certain amount of gratitude expressed or the giving will stop, you know, it'll just dry up. Mm. Uh, and that's not the way it works. Like with, with mm. God's, you know, mm. creation, with uh, his gift of, of redemption and salvation in Christ, with his gift of ongoing sanctification mm. in the spirit, it's, it's never the case that God is looking for a certain amount of gratitude in order to keep going. In fact, we would probably say that's like, you know, 0.001% of the good things God has done for you are things you've actually acknowledged and said, mm. thank you. For. Mm. 
So most of the stuff that happens that's good to us, we don't acknowledge. And yet God is still giving. He's doing it all the time. And he finds joy, you know, in, in giving, you know, he, he didn't give his son out of pity. It's not God so pitied the world that he gave his son. Um, It's God so loved doing that. He loved the the world and gave his son. And there's a sense. It's just something about the, the fact that you're giving out of love, which is really at the heart of God. Like God loves to give. And so I think in a way you, you could look at your own life and measure it from a gratitude perspective and say, am I giving thanks enough? And that's always helpful to check your soul with. Mm. But I think the deeper thing that, that to me reflects the heart of God would be developing into a person who loves to give gifts. And here's the, here's the catch without being noticed. And that is, that kind of blows my mind because Mm. like other people, I want some kind of acknowledgement or attention or notice. Um, And you have, you know, these things in the new Testament that seems so far out for me in terms of the, you know, even understanding them, Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, but I will kind of always know what my left hand is doing. Right. I can keep like, you know, I'll still be having awareness of it. Like I, there's, there's some part of me that wants to hold on to the gift that I'm giving. Like, I'm not quite ready to, to give it up. Mm. And if I really was ready, I wouldn't care about acknowledgement. In fact, I would be thrilled to stare at the, the person who's receiving that gift just to watch them and see what they're going to do next. <laughs> you know, I just, I could just kind of imagine you know, the, the father in a chorus of angels watching the resurrection of his own son and then saying, look, watch, what, look what these people are going to do when they get Christ, you know, when, when they get it. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, what did they do? They, they turn and they try to give Christ to everyone else. They try to give the, the gospel message to everyone else. So there's a sense in which you're not really staring at um, this frustrating concept of being a more grateful person you know, which I think comes, you know, with, with time and spiritual development, but you're also looking at, yeah, I don't want to just be a good receiver. I want to find like this wild joy in giving things and mm. having no concern, you know, Bro. for my credit. And so I, hard. Thought, I thought this is really hard. And this is a, this is a funny example for, for people. So I'm, I'm running down this, the street, you know, several months um, ago, it was after I was, I was, as I was writing the manuscript of this book, I'm running down the street on a jog and I see this guy's garbage cans completely um, pushed over, tra- you know, trash and recycling all over the street, right in my running path. Mm. And I'm running and then I, I stepped around the trash and over, you know, the, the recycling Cause you know, no one wants to touch that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. soda syrup and like gunk and stuff is yeah. nasty. No one wants to touch it. And I'm thinking, you know, Hey, I, I've got my heart rate up. I don't want to stop right now. I got a good, <laughs> if I stop, I'm going to get tired. And I'm, so I'm going through all of those. And then I, I paused and like stopped running. It was like, are you indifferent to the world that you're in right now? Like oh, wow. this is like a perfect opportunity for you to pick somebody else's trash up, put it back in their can and keep running without them seeing you. 
Dude. And, and so I stopped and I did that. And then the thing that kills me is that, well, I had to write about that experience and put it in a yeah. book. So I still had to tell someone about it, you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's kind of a perfect representation of what we do is we, we just, we do the good thing. And then we keep looking around, like, did you see, did you see what I did? Bro, um, I know what you're saying. You know, when you could like, it's like someone starts a GoFundMe page. You're like, oh, this person, you know, they, they, they're trying to go on this mission trip or they're someone's sick. And it's like, you could donate, you could donate anonymous. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. If I'm sending you a hundred bucks. You're going to know it's from Jason Estopanol and the whole Ohana. And I'm going <laughs> to, everyone's yeah. going to know. I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to get out the trumpets and horns for sure. It's kind of gross. That's a good observation. I, I will say, I remember the first time I realized that I could please God, like I used to think good works only were good if someone else would see them. And then they would say, tell me the gospel. You know, it was like such a random unconnected thing. But I remember one time I, I pissed on the toilet seat at my work. I mean, I always piss on the toilet seat, but it was the, the, uh, the communal stall. And it was just a little bit of drops. I, I'm just going to leave it there. Cause that's my default selfish mode. But then it was, I'll never forget. This it was like six years ago. My life changed this day. It's like, you know what? If I was in the garden of Eden, I think I would have, there wouldn't have been piss on the toilet seat. Right. Or in the new heavens and earth. So I wiped it up and I'm not even lying. Hibs that changed my life. Cause now I realize like, it's, it's not just, I, I know that had to do with someone who's going to come. No one wants to sit on my pee when they're, you know, the next guy is going to take a dump or something. So anyways, it, it, there is a freedom too, and sort of not having to like be bound to other people's gratitude or their feedback or whatever, but I, I still want it, bro. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. Well, that is a strikingly specific example. Um, <laughs> I didn't see it coming, but I think that it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think uh, there is a part of us, you know, that we, we all want to be the center of our little universe. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know, we're egotistical in different ways. And I think that there is always, you know, I, what I was going to say when you were talking uh, before was the, you know, when you say, well, I just want some credit, some acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. I hit those places now and I start to dig a little bit and say, yeah, why do you want that? Whoa. Like what, you know, just try to answer. And I try to be really candid, you know, after all, it's usually happening in my head. So I'm the only one who's listening, but, you know, aside from, from God who is ever present, but I'll ask myself, why do you want the credit? You know? And then I answer that question. Well, maybe I want to, I want people to think well of me. Yeah. You know, well, why do you want people to think well of you? Mm. You know, and it starts to get, well, I, you know, my, it's my identity. It's like who I am. I, I want, I want people to know who I am, yeah. you know, and, and I, I don't want to be forgotten or I, I don't want people to just think I'm a jerk. And it's part of my identity. And then you ask a question again, you know, why is this part of your identity? Aren't you, aren't you a Christian who finds your identity in Christ? You know, isn't it his righteousness that you're standing on and not your own, mm. you know, don't, aren't you free now from having to try to create your new identity based on the good things that you do? Wow. Um, you know, so I, I kind of dig at myself in those places and think like, man, there's just so much of our continuing sanctification 
where we, we kind of hit the brakes on the direction that God's taking and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, but I want to, I want to have some attention. Like yeah. I want this to be about me in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's not directly about me, I want to be on the periphery, but, but just, you know, close enough to the action that people can see that it's me, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm there, <laughs> you know? And I think, uh, you know, we all have that tendency. I think one of the, the great releases that you just mentioned, you know, if you give a gift or you do something nice for someone and it is anonymous, there's a little bit of initial pain, isn't there? Yeah. It's kind of like, like, yeah, I really wanted, maybe I should go back and just let them know like quickly. Like, I can say it fast so that there's not a lot of attention drawn to me, but, you know, we want some acknowledgement because we want to, we want to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. The sense of freedom that comes that's at, at first a little bit painful. And we say, okay, no one's going to know about this. You know, I did this thing and now no one's going to be around to, to give me thanks or to, to build up my character or to, to say that I'm a worthy person of, of being, you know, hanging around. Um, and it gets you to, in a sense, be free of all of those really self-seeking desires. Like yeah, yeah. I, I want to be about it, you know, the, the mm-hmm. thing that everything's about. And I think that the, one of the beautiful things about growing as a giver in God's image is the freedom that comes along when you realize it's not about me. And that's a good thing because guess what? I'm not going to be here forever. Um, you know, and I think about, I probably think about death every day. So it was a traumatic experience watching my own father die. And I've dealt with a lot of identity type issues since then. But one of the things that strikes me so much still is, you know, we act as if we're always going to be around, you know, receiving the attention. And that I have a Eugene Peterson quote in the book, one of my favorite quotes of his. And he says, basically, you know, talking about giving, and he said, well, all of life is about giving. And if you don't give yourself right now, you know, if you don't give freely, if you don't have a heart to just give for the sake of giving and not give to receive credit, eventually you're going to have to give up your own life. Like that's a fact, you know, either Christ is going to return, you know, and it's going to be an end that way, or you're going to pass, you know, naturally, but eventually you're going to have to give up everything. Mm. Like, are you going to be at peace with that? Or are you going to be like, scrimping and scribing to get every last shred of Mm. identity because you want to protect that little bit of, of personal value you think Mm. you have. Um, And that's, I think that's part of it is, you know, it's, it's, again, it's painful to realize that I'm not the center of the universe, but then there's also this profound joy of becoming a part of something much bigger than you are and saying like, yeah, you know, God invited me into this. I mean, my goodness, how many billions of times every second does God not get the credit, you know, mm. for things that he's done and he's not bitter about it. You know, it's, it's not like saying, okay, well, I'm going to seal up the, the reservoir of giving now because people just aren't mm. being grateful. Mm. It, it just keeps pouring out. And yeah. um, I think as people made in, in that, in the image of that God, you're going to experience some freedom and, and peace when you let go of trying to create your own identity and value and saying, you know, it's okay. I've got, I've got my identity and value already from Christ. Yeah. Um, I don't have to build myself up. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I, I still struggle with, I still want people to know, you know, that I do certain things uh, for them. 
But there are moments when I think the spirit works on me enough and says, you know, it's really not about you. And it's okay. You know, it's okay to let go and just say, this is about something God is doing. And I'm, I'm just happy I got to play for a few minutes. You know, I got to play in, I got to play in the game for a few minutes. And now I get to watch what someone else is doing. Um, there's a lot of freedom. So here's one for you. <clears throat> um, so I'm, I'm 42 now. And let's say my, my dad gave me a, a car when I turned 16. And I was super grateful and, and say, I still drive the car. And if he didn't give me that gift, then I, then I got no wheels and I was grateful then. And every once in a while, I'm like, thanks dad. Oh yeah. You know? Um, but is it, is it weird or what is the, like, it doesn't seem natural or something for me to just constantly dwell on the fact that he gave me the car, even if I'm still using it. And how is that the, how is that similar or dissimilar to the atonement where G, hmm. like, you know, he died, he died for us. He gave us his righteousness. Do I keep camping out on that, that gift? You know, it is the gift that keeps on giving the jelly and monk club. Absolutely. But yeah. did you yeah. get that lampoons reference there, by the way? Yeah, Anyone? That is the gift that keeps giving Clark. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean, though? At what point is it like, uh, are we just saying, oh, thanks, God, that was cool. I'm so grateful. Like, is that, is there like, um, yeah. Well, yeah, this is a, a, again, I think, I think there is a sense in which you can kind of live in quiet gratitude um, and you see it in relationships. So if I were to ask you, like, are you still grateful that you have a dad? You know, are you grateful for your father? You know, everyone would say, like, well, yeah. Like, well, do you say it like every week, you know, every, every few months, you know, most people say, well, no, he, he knows, you know, he knows that I'm really grateful for him. It's, it's part of the kind of foundation of our relationship. You know, he knows that I am glad that he's my dad. And I think that part of the mystery that, that helps us understand is the gift that you have been given through the atonement which is, you know, the gift of the gospel. We get, we get so focused on things instead of people. And I'm the worst at this. So I'm condemning myself, but the gospel is a person and we, it's not a thing. And I think with things we assume like, okay, we got the thing. We possess the thing. We said, thank you for the thing. It's done, right? It's finished. What else could we possibly say? You know, we already did this. And yet in the gospel, you don't get a thing. You get a person like, yes, you get the atonement. You know, your sins are covered, but you were also raised to newness of life in Christ. And now you live in him, in that person. And so you, you will have the opportunity as a Christian to have an ever deepening relationship of gratitude with the person of Christ. That doesn't necessarily mean that you feel like, man, I'm obligated to like every week I got to say thank you for the atonement. That's again, that's kind of like, a, it's more of a way of looking at the world as, as a bunch of things, which I do too, you know, and, and instead saying like, yeah, I can live in this person. Well, I show gratitude for the atonement, you know, yeah, uh, you know, when I can. And in fact, if my heart is not 
feeling grateful for that, then that's probably a good place to stop and pray and, and try to figure out what's going on there. Um, whether that might be a spiritual attack or, or, you know, something that you're, you're growing in. Um, but all, all that to say, you know, it's very different to talk about having gratitude in a relationship versus, versus having gratitude for a transaction. You know, you can be, you can be grateful for something that was given to you, but if you're grateful for a person, you just live with it. Like you just, it, it just becomes part of how you, you know, kind of, you stand on that as a, as like a bedrock truth of like, I am, you know, for God and he knows it. He knows my heart. He knows that I'm grateful for the atonement. Um, You know, when I want, when my heart is lifted and I want to give expression to it, I will do it. Uh, And sometimes I know I'll have to, you know, jostle my, my spirit a little bit to, you know, to wake up and do that occasionally. But, um, but we, I live in it. You know, you live in the gratitude. It's a relationship. So So I think you, you don't have to feel, guilty. I, t- I, f- I feel guilty a lot for different things like that, but you don't have to feel guilty for not saying it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it's different if you're like, you know, if you're never grateful and yeah. every time you hear the atonement, you think, Oh, here we go again. I already, you know, <laughs> I should do some, some spiritual checking in there, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I think again, I'm, I'm very, I'm very worried about things that are, are given in grace becoming a law, you know, the, mm-hmm. and the reason why, the grace has overcome the law is the law was always meant to change the heart. Um, that's the fundamental change. You know, when you're following the law, you're sometimes keeping the law, but your heart's not in it. Yeah. When you're read you know, rejuvenated by the spirit, you're, you're given a new heart. Mm. And so something deep inside of you mm. is calling you to do these things because that's you really, good. really want to do them. Yeah. You know, not because you think like, oh, well, this is part of the, this is part of my requirement. You know, you should have a genuine joy Mm -hmm. uh, in doing that. And I think that that is certainly part of the nature of God. He's always always giving, um, always exceedingly joyful in in a perfect sense that we can't even fathom as creatures. But he gives us this opportunity to get involved in in the giving circle and receive things and give them to others and have the chance to be anonymous, you know, at times it doesn't always have to be anonymous for people, Mm -hmm. but you have that, that ability to get a special window into the nature of your creator as, as this amazing, um, you know, three person God who gives himself, receives himself back and then just pours out, you know, billions and billions of gifts uh, around his creatures all the time and most of them go unnoticed yeah. but that that doesn't make him stop you know it just it just makes him stare and see what we're going to do in relationship with his son so i had i had 22 questions and i only asked two of them that i wrote down so you and i really wanted people to i wanted to quote from the book a lot because the way you write is is helpful it's not just like premise one premise two um I'm going to read a question, but you don't have to answer it because we don't have time. But this was a good one. It make, so you guys could read the book. So it was another observation that you made that I actually never even framed the thought in my mind necessarily, but I always sort of wondered, and it was this. You said, that's why perceiving something beautiful can sometimes make us feel a bit sad. We want the whole world to see what we see, and we want it to be seen forever. But we know that many have not and will not see it. 
or we know that it's passing so they won't get a chance to end quote but man read the book because uh i bet some of you have wondered that same thing it's like you don't want to see a waterfall if your wife's not there you're somewhere like oh this sucks it's like the first thing you do is you want to like facetime them or anyways so my last question i'm going to reserve for this uh you are a good communicator and i think you major on the majors and um can you tell me what about this advent advent family adult scene you got cooking yes. up yeah so my my wife um uh is is much more you know well known for on social media than i am but my wife and I last year developed a, a kind of advent guide, you know, we called it that was, we just kind of poured into it, you know, our, our favorite, you know, songs in a, in a Spotify playlist. And we put our favorite recipes, you know, for dinners, for cookies. And then I wrote devotionals, especially for families with little kids. Cause I thought, okay, my kids have an attention span of, you know, how many seconds uh, at the dinner table. So I have to write, I want to write something, that we can just read together each day, you know, as we're leading up to Christmas and, um, and we can just kind of have joy together and anticipating, um, you know, the Christmas season. So uh, that is, that's also included in the, in the Advent guide. Um, it will probably be on my wife's uh, website, uh, which is uh, christinamariablog.com. So it will be there, but I'm also, I have for years, I have wanted to write, a series of readings um, on on Advent for adults, and so uh, I am in the process of doing that. I'm, I'm working on number nine. I have to do 28 of them, so you can pray that it's get busy, that it's finished in time. But um, that's an additional thing. So we have this kind of Advent ideas and readings for people with young kids because that's that's who we are. So we thought that'll be helpful for other people. Yeah, fun uh, fun for us. And, uh, and now I'm working on something for adults. Although I just opened my email today and saw that like Sinclair Ferguson just put out, you know, a thing of Advent readings. I thought, well, now, now everyone's going to notice, <laughs> but it's an opportunity, I guess, for me to give a gift without getting noticed. But so. bro, you got the kids, you, you got the kids right now and, and I got the kids right now. So yeah, I, we I, should. Need, I need, I need what you got. So everybody, you, um, PierceTaylorHibs.com is his website. There's a bunch of stuff. Um, we will link that in the show notes. We will link, uh, I think it was KristenMariaBlog.com. I'll find out exactly what it is. Link that. And then once you do get uh, the adult reading up, we'll link that. And um, brother, thank you so much. The Book yeah. of Giving, How the God Who Gives Can Make Us Givers. Mahalo for your time. Merry Christmas. That's right. We came for salvation, we came for family, we came for all that's good, that's how we'll walk away. We came to break the bad, we came to cheer the sad, we came to leave.